episode 25 of fancy plants podcast glad to still be here and i want to say hello to all the plant moms and pops moms and pops. yeah usually we have one word but today moms and pops it is i like that one yeah Yeah. right so i'm chris uh and sue how are you good hello everyone hello Amanda, how are you? I'm good. I I'm tired. We're we're <laughs> into the um overdrive uh of seating. This is like week two, so this is when the the tired kicks in and you haven't reached the giddy part yet. So we're there. We're there. I don't know how you do it, man. I uh I wish I knew. So did Sue pop by this week to help you see? No, or? she ditched me. <laughs> I don't blame her. I. Did the same thing, so. Uh, actually, you passed it off right out of the gate, well, so. yeah, I'm good like that. I appreciate that. You're <laughs> consistent. That's true. That's true. Um, well, welcome back. We are uh, deep within the northern Alberta cold, thinking of sunny days as we work through the winter and the loneliness the days are getting longer though They're the days true. are getting measurably it's noticeable. longer it's noticeable that's and true. i love it yeah it is nice there's some hope on the horizon yeah i'm fully solar powered as well like when the sun goes down i'm like oh it must be bedtime uh which uh <laughs> no, it's like 4 30 <laughs> exactly yeah. it, it doesn't work here in the winter i'm just like why am i so tired why is it dark you yeah. know what? What time does the sun go down? I'm gonna. I'm just gonna find out, because I think that people out in the world should understand. Oh, you how we're living. Sh- look up our shortest day. Okay. Well, first of all, for today, the sun goes down at six, or sorry, five o six p.m. Mountain standard. But what time. time does it come up? It comes up at nine eighteen a.m. So that that's like late. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we don't have very much sun right now. Oh, wait, I lied to you. Hold and on. we're excited because it's probably... Oh, a- Chris lied to no, us. No, I lied. I oh. lied, I lied, I lied. Uh, today. Oh, no, I didn't lie. 9.06 a.m. The sun decides to like get its ass out of bed. And then a paltry... I'm already at work for three hours. Paltry, a paltry... That's like the middle of the night. Uh, eight hours later, the sun decides, I'm out. Bye. Yeah. And that's it. And so we're that's excited because we, we get eight hours. Of daylight. I will, On the flip side, I am going to say, though, in the summer. Oh, we're like spoiled rotten. Mid-July. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We mm-hmm. barely get darkness. Like, it is light and it's dusk for hours. I legitimately, hours. when the days are, are getting longer for lo- those few months in the summer, like, I know my vehicle has headlights. It doesn't matter what time I'm coming home. I don't need to turn them mm-hmm. on. I can see. That's true. Yeah. It's so exciting. The shortest day of the year is seven hours and almost eight minutes. The sun rises at 9, 19 a.m. and sets at 4, 27 p.m. And then when we're talking about um, June, I'm just going to get there. Our longest day of the year. Longest oh, it's the glorious. Year. But you know what's so funny about that is it just kind of like sneaks up on you somehow. 
oh yeah and then all of a sudden you're like why is the day so short yeah yeah like it's like you have a month where it's like light at midnight still and it's great and then at three o'clock in the morning the sun's coming up you can watch the sunrise if you are up at three o'clock in the morning where i have insomnia so sometimes (laughs) i'm I'm up at that time yeah and it's it's glorious it's awesome but in the winter it's just like i hate it i do have to say though that we have had some amazing skies oh yeah the sunrise is here unbelievable but especially this year like i mean they're pink Oh, I was like, why does the days, the days, I was in May and not June. Couldn't figure out the math on that. So our <laughs> longest day of the year. Could be June 21st-ish, yeah. Well, by a few seconds, it is actually June 20th by one second. <laughs> uh, we have 17 hours and 24 days, or not days, wow, 24, uh, my goodness, 17 hours and 24 minutes and 49 seconds. So the sun comes up at 514 and it goes away at 1039, but it never really completely disappears. Gets dark like no, it does. No, it, it doesn't actually go below the horizon that far. Like you still always have that kind of light. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's glorious. Kinda, it's kind of cool up here because sometimes we can see the sun and the moon at the same time. Quite often. Quite often, like in the summer and in the winter. If you're at Sue's house, you can see the sun, but also a moon as somebody's like disparaging her plants as we discussed last episode yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's that kind of moon probably happening in my house all the time too but that's that that moon is the entire reason why cole and i want to move to an acreage yeah yeah so you can just moon everybody well like, no then mooning all the time we we need a property that is well surrounded by trees so that we don't have to put on pants so like Fair enough like ours to be yeah except for won't your boys live there yeah my boys are moving because of the situation the world's in um, I can't kick them out of the nest just yet with and have good intentions about it. So they're going to stay at home. Um, so we're moving about 22 minutes away and we have a very treed area. I can do Naked Gardening Day. Unfortunately, when Naked Gardening Day happens, it's still a little chilly. So <laughs> yeah, it is true. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Uh, so clearly, listeners, we are looking forward to the time when the days are so long that the sun barely sets. And we can bask in the sun. Another two weeks and we'll be just about giddy about it, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I find that February is the hardest month of winter. Except it's also my birthday month. Yeah. So that makes it easy. See, right? February for me is good because February is the shortest month of the year, takes the longest amount of time. But by that point in the year, most of my greenhouses at work are up and running. They've got the lights on in them. They're a balmy 25 degrees inside. The plants are up. It smells like uh, spring with that kind of warm, wet earth. Like, it's it's glorious. Your friends are coming over. Yeah, you know, well, yeah. February in the greenhouse is trees. when I start working on my tan. Yeah. And when you have a complexion as pasty as mine, you need all the time you can get. Yeah. So if you don't know, Amanda's like I glow a red dark. She's like a typical redhead. She's got her red hair and her, In her pasty white so many white ways. Skin. Yeah. <laughs> so long as I'm not hungry, tired, overworked, stressed awake. out, awake, yeah. or you're fine. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes she's a ginger snap. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. I like it. I actually got mad at my husband the other day because he got up and he walked too loud. Dude, I get it, man. Um, 
I get mad at my husband because he breathed too loud. Yeah. And I was irrationally mad yeah. because he was walking too loud. He wasn't walking any louder than he does any other day. But, oh, I was angry. It was just, that's what happened. That's why we yeah. have husbands, though. Because otherwise we'd just <laughs> blow up at random people. <laughs> so it's like, I need to find that one person I can marry and just be with. Maybe you don't want to get married, but you just be with and then you can like be irrational a little bit with them. So thank you, spouses around the world. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> because Mine you prevent so, us from yeah. getting mad at like, you know, the lady at the store who didn't smile at us or. Dear husband, thank you for stopping me from murdering people. Yeah. Because you allow me to. That's a really great out. sentiment. I, you know what? <laughs> I just have to leave. <laughs> oh. Because <laughs> I'm afraid of you now. <laughs> you were always a little afraid of me. But in a good way. Oh, I appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Well, here we are back again. Uh, and usually we don't schedule rants, but apparently today, and I've never had this problem, so I'm, I'm about to learn some stuff from you ladies. That's because you don't water. Shh. <laughs> Hush. Hush, my dear. We are going to talk about... Fungus gnats. I, I might have to edit that out. <laughs> it sounded really, really terrible. <laughs> I was hoping people were like, is she going to say it? Is she going to say it? And then I said fungus gnats instead of. No, it, well, just, the, it just sounded like a balloon had been. That's like, true. You know, squeeze a balloon. That's true. I, that's true. You held it for a long time. I'll, I'll give you that. I could we're doing longer. fungus gnat rant. I feel like it could be like a rap title. Yeah, that's like a kind of rappy. Could somebody please do a rap for that? <laughs> About fungus gnats. Yeah. And ranting. Yeah, ranting. Oh, they're so annoying. So I've never had them because I clearly keep my plants too dry. So maybe I'm just preventing fungus gnats. Although, if I ever get my indoor greenhouse, I do expect that there could show up. Oh, you will get them. Now, okay, so fungus gnats are a fact of life. And right now, everybody's loving their plants Probably a little more than they should. Can can you just maybe say what is a fungus gnat? Because I kind of Okay, know, so but... a fungus gnat is a gnat, which is a type of flying insect. It's just a tiny little bug. And the larvae, uh, contrary to popular belief, um, the larvae live in your soil. Uh, that's where they lay their eggs. The, the adults fly around. They lay the eggs in the soil. The larvae live in the soil. And they eat the fungus that is in the soil. Whoa, fungus gnat. I get it now. Well, lots of people are under the very, very common misconception that they eat your plant's roots. Yeah. That is not their primary diet. Do they look like a fruit fly? Kind of, but more bulbous. And tinier. Yeah. And they're annoying. Like you watch TV and the, they like to just like hover just far enough away from your eye that you're like, is that something there? And okay, that's interesting because sometimes when I'm at my computer, I do see a little something flying around. And then yeah. I... and at the exact distance that you have zero depth perception. Yeah. Yeah. So do I have fungus gnats? You might. If you or floaters in your... in your eye. No, it's definitely a bug. I have those two. But it's definitely a bug. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a fungus gnat. Yeah. Hmm. I wonder the... where it's coming from because you're right. I don't actually really want <laughs> People don't realize like. Just like a fruit fly, they can live in your drains as well. Absolutely. Because they oh. love the rotten, they love the rotten stuff. Okay. So the really only way that they're really, they either have to be really starving or you have root rot if they're eating your roots. 
because they yeah. eat the rotten things. Yeah, okay. they're they're not going to chow down on healthy plant roots if you've got, which you likely have, fungus in your soil. It's a common thing in your soil, especially if you water lots, which causes fungus gnats. It's just, it's hat in hand. It's the way it goes. Where do they, so, sorry, where do they come from then? Just maybe you bring them in on, in your soil or are they In your around? soil, from your produce, on your clothing, through your screens. Like, they're just, it's a thing. It's a wild and wonderful world. Yeah. yeah. And they're annoying. They're so annoying. But they're not harmful. They're not really harmful. Okay, so there's a Just million... Just like me, right? <laughs> there's a million different ways to get rid of fungus gnats. Um, and there are a ton of different remedies... I, I'm using quotey fingers because everybody can see me, right? Yeah. Can I just yeah. tell you, I now use the term quotey fingers in my everyday life. So do because I. Because of you. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Uh, you're welcome. I love it. You're welcome. You're very welcome. Um, so, uh, Sue, what's one remedy that you've heard of? Oh, my favorite. No, I hate this one with a passion. Put sand on top of your soil. Okay. Oh. I, I'm going to chime in here. So, um, as with any bug. Nothing is a quick fix. Now, sand on top of your soil. Yes, it will get rid of fungus gnats instantaneously. No more adults are going to fly out of your soil. Do you guys know why I hate sand on soil? Because they can't get any air down there or stuff. Yeah, and if they don't get air down there, it stinks. When you water sand... I don't know exactly what happens. Like Amanda can probably explain it more technical than oh, anybody else. Oh, I'm going else. down that road. <laughs> it's but happening. It, it stinks. It really stinks. And you think when your cat or your kid or your dog's tail or your clumsy elbow bumps a plant and spills dirt, oh, that's a big mess. But wait till you have a half inch of sand on top of your soil. I don't okay. want to. Yeah. So. <laughs> I'll, I'll get back to why I hate sand. So there's a million different, you know, fungus gnat remedies. Um, peroxide, uh, sticky traps, um, uh, mosquito dunks, all that sort of stuff. And, and I get that they take time to work. And that sucks, especially when you're at your wits end with little black things flying in front of your face. Mm-hmm. I totally get that. But sand on top of soil creates what's called an anaerobic environment so when you're that you know can i just jump in there because my house is kind of an anaerobic environment where i don't do aerobic oh you're anti-aerobic oh that that, that would be anti-aerobic environment (laughs) which is also my house by the way Uh, like i understand the concept of working out but that's not a thing i'm sure that there's other people who got that joke yeah. I, I'm, thank you, ladies, for laughing with me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're contractually obligated. That's <laughs> uh, true. So anaerobic environment is when air can't get to the soil. Your soil needs to breathe. It needs air. The air needs to get to it. So when you put that layer of sand on top and you're like, it's good to go. And you water like you would normally. The water's not going to evaporate like it does normally. And the 
air isn't going to get into the soil like it does normally. You're going to end up with root rot. Your plants are going to start to collapse and uh, it's going to get ugly. And it, the best way I can describe the smell is rotten swamp water. Yeah. Kind of like Yum. wet socks that have been in rubber boots for hours. And then sealed in a plastic bag and opened up a month later. Triple yum. That was left on the heat register before you opened it up. Yeah. Makes hockey gear look good. (laughs) Gross. Right? Gross. I also, I I feel like, wouldn't it be a challenge to water things too? Absolutely. Um, I know uh, there's one lady in our community. She's got it down to a science. Uh, I think she puts a wooden skewer into each plant for, I think she said, 10 minutes. And if it comes out wet, then she doesn't water. If it comes out dry, then she waters. But then even just putting the water on the sand, that can't look nice. I, eh, I don't know. I don't, I've never done it because... I don't think it looks nice on a day-to-day basis having the sand on top. But at the same time, I get it's fast, it's easy, but I am, I am anti-sand. There's so many problems that can arise from it. So yeah. um, do you know how to check to see if you, in fact, have fungus gnats as opposed to fruit flies? Oh, I'm going to just ask you probably. <laughs> yeah, I, I never really, just because I know the difference, I don't know if I've ever really thought about how to tell the difference. Right. So if you take a slice of potato and set it on your soil, like make sure it's in good contact with the soil, you leave it for a couple of days, you take that slice of potato off, and you see little greeblies crawling under that side that was in contact with the soil. That's the fungus gnat larva. Oh, I really enjoy your greebly term. Mm-hmm. It's a technical term for really gross stuff. <laughs> so if it's a fruit fly, you won't see that no, underneath. No, not at all. Okay. Uh, I notice like the fruit flies that we get quite often are kind of a red, and they're more bulbous. Like they're like more round. Little if critters. They're so tiny. Yeah. How do you see them? They're chunky. Com- uh, and they, okay, fruit flies fly like they're drunk. Yeah. Yeah. You can catch fruit flies. Fungus gnats? They fly like you're high. They just <laughs> yeah. stand like they're, they're, they're right there. You can't quite grab them. Oh, they're annoying. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm. You'll make yourself mental trying to chase uh, fungus gnats, but fruit flies, you're like, oh, look, I got it. Yeah. Okay. Well, like, I just watched Karate Kid, so. I'm going to try to do it with chopsticks and see what happens. Ooh. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Very yeah. nice. Yeah. Good, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, what have you found is the most effective way, Sue? Honestly, I like just to use sticky sticks, the little yellow yeah. tape things that, you know, you can tell when an animal, if my house has been near the plants because all of a sudden the sticky stick is stuck to them. Um, I use those in mosquito dunk. I use some mosquito dunk. And I find that works. And I've learned, like, I've learned in my house, I have certain times of the year that I seem to get the fungus gnats yeah, more absolutely. than others. So in those times of the year, I'm, I've learned to be proactive. And so I'll be like, oh, so come February, March, I'll probably be like mosquito dunk time. And then again, late summer. So absolutely. Sue, could you maybe give a really brief overview of what a mosquito dunk is and how you use it? So it's a little, looks like a little donut. I guess you can say a little donut and it's this hard, crunchy kind of material. And a lot of people will use them to put in their rain barrels or um, 
little ponds that they have and water fountains and stuff like that outside so that mosquitoes, because they like to breed in, in the wet zones. So it prevents them from breeding in there. I'm not exactly sure the technical way of how or why. It's a larvicide, so it kills the larva that So it kills the larva. The okay, yeah. so it doesn't repel them. It just, it kills yeah. larva. Can you get them at like any plant store or is this a lot like a of PV times, Mart? A lot of times thing? you can get them at plant stores now, but like PV Mart, Home Depot, all Box those stores, places. Yep. Yeah, UFA, um, which is a farm store that we have. And so you take them and you just drop it in your water. And as it's in the water, it slowly starts to dissolve. So every time you go to water, you you just fill it up with water. I like to let it sit for 10 minutes because in my mind, that means it's some of it's I, dissolving. I find that they're most effective because it is actually a slow release product. Yeah. So if you've got a pail that you can leave with water in it to, and use that water to water your plants, if you leave it in there yeah, and it sits 10 minutes, 20 minutes overnight, you're golden. Yeah, like I usually, at the end of my watering, because I mean, it takes me a few watering cans to water everything, I I leave like an inch of water at the bottom. Not enough that it'll spill because I put it under the sink. Um, not enough that it'll spill, but enough to keep that wet. And then I fill it up and I let it sit for a few minutes. And then I water everything. And I've learned to be proactive. And I've really noticed that that's seemed to work. So hopefully, I mean, I still get them, but not not crazy. I remember when I had them at a crazy amount. And like embarrassing for people to come over because you they'll be like <laughs> what oh, is bugs this? and they don't have plants like a lot so of my friends know. yeah they don't know they don't know the running around the house with a vacuum cleaner trying to suck them up before people come over yeah, yeah. so can you overdose using a mosquito dung i don't no, think so absolutely not the first time i used one i crumbled it up which was actually really hard to crumble up i had to put it in a bag take my rolling pin and like slam it because i couldn't break it with my hands okay and then i crumbled it up and then i just put the crumbs on top of the plant, like on top of the soil. Gotcha. And then every time I watered, it gets soaked in a little bit. But I just, like one mosquito dunk doesn't go very far when you have a lot of plants. So it, it seems to be a little more cost effective because they're not the cheapest things on earth. Like they're not super expensive, but they're not cheap either. So I just find that putting one in and the sticky sticks and that's all I do. And I swear at them a lot. Yeah, that's, and that is, that's the method that I use in my house as well. Yeah. So how long does one dunk? So it sounds like you leave it in your watering can, a little bit of water in it when you're done watering. How long does one little donut last for? Oh, 1,000 gallons. Okay. Yeah, like a long so time. You're going to have that bad boy for a while. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like a, a pack of four, you're going to, you, that's going to do you a year or two or three. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. I was going to say, I can tell you the last time I put anyone in my thing. Yeah. Because it's been that long. Okay. Cool. So when it comes to the yellow stickies, um, I'm assuming that color must attract them because I remember being a kid and having like this big toy plastic yellow bat and there's little bugs over it all the time. So Absolutely. Kind of the same thing. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And so like, like I have thrips paper too. Was it yellow know. or blue? Blue. Yeah. Because thrips are attracted more to the blue. Yeah. And it's just like, have you ever, we have no seams, which are also a tiny little bug up oh, here. They're so outside. They bite. And they bite, and but they're really tiny. And if you wear white or yellow outside, you're just like covered in them. Um, and they're super tiny. And so they're just attracted to color. And so there is different papers out there you can get that attract different bugs. Yellow sticky sticks, stick them in your plants. And the adults will stick to it because they're attracted and then they can't breed into right. your soil. Okay. Yeah. Uh, another uh, very effective method is uh, peroxide method. Yeah. And now that is 3% hydrogen peroxide, 
mixed at a ratio of one part peroxide to four parts water. So that would be one cup of peroxide to four cups or one liter of water. Are you very careful that you don't mix it incorrectly? Um, and that's the 3% peroxide that you would buy at the store. Oh, I was just going to yeah. ask, like, peroxide has a percentage, right? Yeah, that's yeah. 3%. Yeah. Now, and you you do that mix and you water, your, every time you water your plants, you water them with that mix for, you know, a month or so. And it's going to kill the larva as well. And then yellow sticky traps. Um, another good preventative maintenance is bottom watering. Yeah. Um, buttering, bottom watering. And I just actually found that out like a few months ago. Bottom watering helps your plant not to be overwatered. Yeah, and it helps to uh, get good root spread as well. Yeah. And it helps that you can say butt chugging. Yeah, butt exactly. chugging. I just want to say something about the peroxide though. I don't use the peroxide method because the smell of peroxide makes my teeth hurt. I know that's the weirdest thing, but I don't like the smell of peroxide. You also don't like fuzzy plants. Yeah, so I also don't like fuzzy plants. We've already established your level of normal a long time ago. Yeah. So I don't use the peroxide method, but I've heard that it works very effectively. And yeah, I think it's great. Then another one that I've heard people use, and I've tried it a couple times, but I didn't like the looks of it, was diatomaceous earth. Um sprinkled on top of your plants it's made from like barnacles and like sea coral and shells coral and that's and how it's you like say ground. that i say diatomaceous diatomaceous i always diatomaceous. call like diatom i just i never actually said it out loud dichotomous that's how Some i people always just call it <laughs> d-earth like i've seen people call it d-earth and i'm like yeah that's good that works yeah because i'm not usually one to pronounce good big words but it's dichotomous to me for some reason but yeah diatomaceous earth um you sprinkle that on and it, because it's made out of these coral and barnacles and all that, that's kind of ground, it's sharp. And so a lot of different bugs, when their larva tries to crawl out of the soil to lay their eggs in the soil, it, it cuts them. But the problem is, is once you water your plant, it, it looks terrible. Well, and well, I think it loses of, its, its efficacy. Yeah, yeah exactly. It, it loses its sharpness. Yeah. And yeah. so there's that. And then, yeah, it kind of goes this like gross yellow. Oh yeah, yeah. It's mm. it's terrible looking on top there. Yeah, nice. Yeah. So I don't like. I have diatomaceous earth. I use it. I know some people can get a food grade of that, yeah. and they'll drink it. I seriously, my mind is blown that that's how it's pronounced. Because I genuinely had no. I've never actually heard it said out loud. So thank you. <laughs> oh, uh, another one that I see people on Facebook groups saying, and it just absolutely. I understand thinking that it'll work. I totally get it is that people will, they've got fungus gnats. So they'll spray with like an insecticide, like safers or Dr. Doom or something like that. In Canada here, at least the insecticides that we have available to us in uh, box stores, greenhouses, so on and so forth are contact killers, which means you have to hit that half millimeter fly <laughs> with the spray in order for it to work. Hmm. Chopsticks. Yeah. yeah right. <laughs> and it makes my non-chemical life kind of smelly. I mean, I've used it, but I just try myself. I try not to use very many chemicals in my, in my day to day. And see, I am all and so for that kind of like, oh. when it comes to my plants, I'm a little bit different, but that, 
because it doesn't work, why use it? I'm all for chemical warfare, provided that it is done right and done with the proper stuff. But anything that we have on the market is a contact killer. It's yeah. only going to work if it hits the bug while it's wet. Because we're not allowed to use systemic. In no. Canada, as a personal or home, no. Absolutely not. You need a license in order to use systemic in Canada. And then correct me if I'm wrong, but systemic is when you um, put it on the plant's roots, essentially, and it soaks it up and then any bug that eats the plant dies. Is that right? Yeah. A, a systemic is taken up by the plant and essentially makes the plant itself toxic. Whereas a contact killer is something that you spray on the plant and the contact killer itself is toxic. So why is that, do you think? And I'm, this is um, like, I'm a genuine, bees. like, I don't know. Oh, be- <gasps> save nope. the bees. Uh, it is, um, a lot of it has to do with, and this is going to sound really terrible to say, um, the majority of people do not read instructions. I, I don't read instructions. I like, they are a last resort. Like if something is not building properly, I'm like, okay, well, I guess we should look at the instructions. <laughs> um, but when it comes to systemics, it is very, very easy to poison waterways. Interesting. Okay. Uh, because there, there can be runoff and it takes a very small amount to do a very big job. Okay. Uh, and uh, it, it really boils down to um, a lot of people think if a little bit is good, lots must be great. Ah, uh, gotcha. Yeah. And then it gets in the waterways and then the waterways, you know, water our earth. And then bees. Well, it's uh, and it, it kills um, because it, once it gets into the waterways, it kills a lot of algae and plankton and that. Mm, and that goes that all the way up the food chain. Right. Yeah. Right. OK. Good to know. Um, so to avoid fungus gnats, there's really not much you can do. It sounds like they're not like a terrible, terrible pest other than being annoying. Uh, sounds like there's some safe and potentially easy ways to get rid of these bad boys. Anything else we should know? Uh, um, dry them um, out. Dry your plants out a absolutely. little bit. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. That's a big one. If you find that you're having a problem with them and having a hard time getting them under control, don't dry your plants out until you can blow on them and the whole plant disintegrates. But just dry your soil out. I'm so good at that. Top inch of the soil. Top, top two centimeters, top inch of the soil. You, you want that to be dry. And I'm going to channel my inner Eve at the moment. And he's going to say, Get carnivorous plants. Absolutely. I was already thinking that too. <laughs> yeah. If you can keep them alive in your dry, dry, dry. Right. House. Exactly. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I can tell you I learned lots, including the fact that I may or may not have a fungus gnat or two. So I'm going to be looking for that. And now I know how to get rid of them. So thank you. And so do you out there, listeners, if you have this problem. Um. We're, we're talking about something interesting today for our main topic. And I loved this idea when I heard it. And it's plants that change the world. And there are a lot of plants that have had an impact on humanity over the last billion, billion years. That, friends, is a technical term and it's scientifically sound. <laughs> for a very long um, time. Absolutely. <laughs> so I looked it up. It's true. We actually did some research. Usually we just wing it, but look at us go. It's like we're getting profesh. And so we've all done a little bit of work to talk about plants that changed the world. Who wants to go first? Uh, I'm going to vote Amanda. Ah, oh, really? Yeah. I'm going to vote Chris. <laughs> oh, okay. So um, I 
what happened when I was researching this plant is it kind of turned into a big rabbit hole of learning things that I didn't know. I also happen to be missing a page of my notes, so I'm going to have to go for memory here. Um, first of all, I learned that this plant is what didgeridoos are made out of. I, I did didn't not know, know that. that. I know. That's cool. I love didgeridoos. <laughs> so this is uh, eucalyptus. And of course, it's more of a tree than a plant. And although I guess they're kind of the Tree, trees are plants. Trees are plants. That's, <laughs> that's, that's kind of the way that works. <laughs> Obviously, I'm thrown off because I'm missing my first page in notes somehow. But I'll see what I can remember. So I just, the more I was reading about eucalyptus, the more interesting it got. So they're, they were generally um, indigenous to Australia, but they have been spread all around the world via uh, basically humanity <laughs> who, uh, you know, brought this this tree to a lot of different places where it could grow. And a few of the reasons that happened had to do with the economy, had to do with the way that they grow so fast and a few other reasons. So we'll maybe talk about that a little bit more. Uh, they're essentially the genus is eucalyptus, if I remember my notes correctly, and they are split into three different groups. And super cool, um, one of the eucalyptus trees is actually one of the tallest flowering trees in the world. So I really love their bark. They're so pretty. So bark is really interesting for them because they have three or four different kinds of bark and sometimes they lie about the kind of bark that they have. So yeah, it's, if, if you're interested in that, I would recommend taking a little trip around Google. Now, to reproduce, these eucalyptus trees are like pine trees. So we're familiar with pine trees here in northern Alberta because we have a lot of them. And lots of times what happens with pine trees is they have a pine cone. And during fires, that's when they release their seeds. And eucalyptus trees are very similar, except eucalyptus trees have fruit. And they are called gum nuts. <laughs> I like that. That's awesome. Right? So what happens with the gum nuts is during a fire, and the fire needs to be fast and hot, uh, is these fruits kind of dry up and spit out their seeds. And then that's how they reproduce. Um, not all of them uh, are kind of related equally. So it depends on the fire. Some of them only reproduce with fire. It just depends on on their scenario. So I thought that was kind of cool. They have very oily leaves. And that, of course, doesn't come as a surprise because we are so aware of some of the products that we get from eucalyptus trees. And I think that's part of how they change the world. And I'll talk about that in a minute. But I thought it was really interesting because because they evolved to have these oily leaves, they are more flammable, which leads them to helping them to reproduce. You know what? I never thought of that. It makes complete sense yeah. now that you've said it out loud. But I'm like, huh. Right? Oh, damn. right, exactly. Yeah. So, of course, they're a food source for koalas, um, but Ew. they're also a food source for a yellow-bellied glider, and the glider actually eats the sap of the trees. Okay. So, I'm sure there's more, but these two in particular were standing out. So, koalas uh, <laughs> are really interesting. You'd think they're dumb, chlamydia-ridden ultra-imbeciles, but it turns out that they can at least tell what leaves to eat based on the way they smell because eucalyptus leaves can smell like eucalyptus leaves 
they can smell like peppermint. They can smell like lemon. There's a lot. There's like 900 different kinds of trees. So there's crazy. Yeah. So there's a lot. Yeah. Um, so the thing about the koalas and these gliders is that they work really hard to eat these trees and this like the leaves and this sap for not a lot of return on nutrition. So they're dumb, <laughs> uh, which I think is uh, koalas. I know get that name. And now I've decided the gliders are not that smart as well. So. <laughs> When it comes to the economy and when it comes to what these trees give the world, uh, obviously we are aware of the oil. So it's distilled, it's steam distilled from the leaves and it is in a million different products. Oh, yeah. Solvents, antiseptic, deodorizer, food supplements, but only in small doses because it is poisonous. Insect repellent, essential oils and all of that. But what I didn't know is that these trees were actually grown for other reasons and those other reasons are that they were used for uh they're ornamental first of all possibly they're also used for timber firewood pulpwood biofuels so a whole gamut of different products now we don't have them here they don't grow here of course um but so they're used for all of these really interesting things now that's why they were taken around the world and I'm going to use California as an example. So in the 1850s, during the gold rush, uh, they were brought over in from the from Australia. And now there's huge eucalyptus forests in California. And I need all, a road trip. Yeah, right. <laughs> and it almost sounds like they are uh, controversial because they're invasive. They have a lack of natural inhabitants. Uh, fire's obviously a problem, and in California, that's also not a good thing. Just like Australia and other. Yeah. Or in places in the world. But what's interesting is some want them removed and some don't. Because, of course, that's the way the world is now. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) So one last comment uh, about eucalyptus is they, well, they changed the world because of all of the amazing products that come out of them. Um, It's a huge economic thing, eh? So huge. The problem is, is they're around um, specific areas and California is is included in that. They often replace oak woodlands because of how fast they grow. Oh. Um, but and it turns out that in a lot of places, they actually do not provide the economic return that people are hoping for, because depending on the type and depending on how fast they grow, the quality of the wood is not the same in old growth forests. So, yeah. And, there, you know, I could get into it a lot more, but I mean, I think all of us have used eucalyptus products before. They're in everybody's lives. And I mean, one of my very favorite shower gels has eucalyptus in it <laughs> oh, yeah. as an example. Yeah. Well, you it's actually really cool. I've done it before. Um, hung eucalyptus because sometimes we can find eucalyptus in greenhouses and stuff here. Yes. And um, they're kind of neat, silvery, like round. The, the leaves are fantastic. Yeah. yeah. And that's going to be and, a very specific kind. Like there are so oh, yeah. many. Yeah. And that's what I didn't realize. But you you take a bunch of them and you hang them in your shower. So when yes. you have your hot, seamy shower, everything gets eucalyptus and it's really good and helps your like sinuses come out. But it's crazy to know how poisonous they are. Okay. Yes. So uh, we have a goal for 2021. And that is to find me a eucalyptus tree to grow at work. I was thinking that too. Like Because that would be cool really would, stinking cool. Yeah. How cool would that be? Last comment on this, and we can discuss eucalyptus more if we want to, but I know you ladies have some plans to share as well. I encourage everyone to pop on to Google and take a look at rainbow eucalyptus. Oh my God. Yeah. So So beautiful. (laughs) This is a new item on my bucket list to see. Um, With that really amazing bark, as it uh, 
kind of chips away off the tree. Yeah, it peels off. Yeah, it peels off in this particular instance. And this crazy rainbow canvas is hiding underneath. Oh, yeah. It's stunning. Beautiful. Yeah, oh, super cool. Beautiful. Super cool. So really quick and dirty, few <laughs> few uh, facts about eucalyptus, but also how they changed the world. Yeah, how yeah I like that. Yeah. I have to say, I really like that all of us were like, let's not do the basics, right? Because everybody was like, plants that change the world. The first thing you think of is hemp or tobacco. Cotton. Um, you know, pepper, stuff like that, right? So I, I like that we all kind of chose random stuff. Now, I learned a lot. I'm not going to lie. I had no idea. And because of where we live, like if you're in Australia, you're probably like, yeah, Chris, duh. <laughs> but but I, I personally, I had no idea. So I mean, I knew about the products, but not about the trees themselves. Yeah, they're they're wild. Now, um, Chris did way more research than I did. Um, I was just going to say our research things are very different. So like I when it was Chris was talking, I was like, oh, that's not how I research mine. So that's it's OK. Very, that's that's why it's we're all be interesting. Because I am ridiculously busy at work right now, and uh, I'm using that as an excuse for everything. So <laughs> There's no need to justify. I, just I literally it. read two articles and managed to retain a bit of information. That is you it. also read ridiculously <laughs> fast. I, I was watching Chris read earlier tonight, and I was just absolutely baffled. She's like, hey, can I borrow your book for 30 seconds? I'm like, it's like six pages. She's like, yeah, no, no, like 35 seconds. And it was 35 seconds. And I was just like, oh, so grumpy at you. <laughs> I've always been a fast reader. So. Yeah. 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 Well, I'm just I'm thinking of all the books that I could read in a very short time and I've got all the books that I want. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm. I'm a little grumpy with you. Oh, over that. Sorry. So. <laughs> now, can you read out loud that fast? I mean, if you want me to. I kind of do because then I don't have to get audio books like for a, when I'm driving. It's like a podcast at four times. Yeah, exactly. It'll be fine. Okay. So. I went um, also with a tree and I went a little bit different because this is something that can be used as a biofuel. Uh, we so can eucalyptus. Absolutely. Yep. Right. And uh, we actually have a, um, a sister company to the one that I work for actually works with this plant specifically for um, absorbing toxic waste, uh, cleaning mine, site, uh, mine sites. Uh, re land reclamation and as a biofuel as well. I, it's uh, something that you can run your boiler system on. Um, it is also um, part of the world's most frequently taken drug. I, don't I, know, I already know the answer, so I can't say. Right, <laughs> right. Uh, it's part of the world's most frequently taken drug. It is also used in furniture building and it grows incredibly fast. So the one I was kind of doing the reading on is the Latin name for it is Salix Elba. So, that sounds fun to say 10 times. It, it really is. Salix Elba, Salix so, Elba, Salix Elba, Salix Elba. <laughs> so anytime you see Elba in any Latin name, it means white. Interesting. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's, that's just what that's that means. That's why everyone's after okay. like the Monstera, like Al an Elba. Elbo, Marginata. Uh, anytime it has Elbo in it, it means white. So uh, Salix alba is white willow. It is incredibly fast growing. Um, it can live up to 100 years. 
especially in the right conditions, something like uh, a different kinds of willows obviously have shorter lifespans. Um, it regenerates super, super fast. But in uh, 1899, uh, Bear Pharmaceuticals introduced aspirin to the world. So it has been available on the market since the 1800s. Your presentation of this is flawless. <laughs> it's like so good. This is called winging it. <laughs> it could work. Um, so uh, in the 19th century, there was French and German chemists who actually uh, discovered um, what they called salicin, uh, which ended up being uh, salicylic acid which is the primary ingredient in aspirin. Now, of course, in the 1800s, you know, the um when Coca-Cola still had cocaine in it, <laughs> um we you know, the marketing was different. They toted it as a cure-all for everything. Even I think everything was like smoking was too. Right? <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Everything was a cure-all for everything. Yeah. But they actually um did some tests to see if it would work for as an anti-malarial as well. Because there was, uh, oh, what's the name of that plant? Uh, Chinchaga, chin, Chinchagin, something to that uh, effect. Um, uh, Chinchana is, is how it's spelled. It's C-I-N-C-H-O-N-A. And that was actually the first anti-malarial that was available. And after aspirin, that's, another plant that changed the course of history because it really did help with the fighting with malaria. Um, after aspirin was introduced, um, it was introduced right around the time that uh, the price of uh, the other one was going through the roof. And it was uneconomical to, you know, produce this anti-malarial. So they actually tested aspirin uh, as an anti-malarial as I guess, scientifically tested as you can in 1900. But hey, it's a thing. Um, so it, it was fun. It was interesting. It's kind of amazing how these plants really do contribute so much to us. And we, as a species, can just be so disrespectful to them. <laughs> well, and, and it's, people don't even realize it, right? Like uh, my husband, every time we go hiking, uh, he hates it because I am Always, like we walk into the woods, he's like, "Don't eat that." <laughs> I'm like, do you eat it? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I know enough about what you know. I, I can safely eat random stuff in the woods and not poison myself. Amanda never watched the Canadian famous commercial that we used to have to watch when we were young. Don't put don't it. Don't you put, put it, it in, in your mouth. mouth. Don't you put it in your mouth. Though it might like look good it, to eat, like a muffin or a beet. <laughs> If yeah. you don't know what it is, don't you put it in your mouth. I love that you knew all the words. Right. Oh, I, I, so I kind of love that. But yeah. uh, well, I see, I know enough to be able to identify things. Uh, so if we're out on a long hike, I will, I'll find Willow and be like, okay, well, this one's good. This one isn't good. So on and so forth. And I'll, I'll, I'll use it in tea. I'll, I'll chew on a piece of Willow bark. Like... I will tell I'm you weird. something. And I this love is, you. <laughs> I'll tell you guys my own little thing. And I don't usually like say this out in public, but I'm going to right now. And you can call me crazy. But crazy. I think there is a cure for everything in plants. I think plants provide us 
Mother Nature, Earth has provided us with everything. We just haven't found it yet. But I think there's a cure. Or we already like killed everything. it. Or we already killed it because we didn't appreciate it, that, like you said. Yeah. Yeah. But I do believe that. Um, I really do. I think there's something out there for for everything in the plant world. That could be very true. Yeah. Very and true. I just think we haven't found it or found the way to harvest it. Or like you said, maybe because a lot of humans are very disrespectful to, to the Mother Earth and and nature and plants and everything and each other so anyway we're, i'm not going down that road but. maybe it has maybe there was a cure for something crazy yeah, out there and that plant is no longer on our earth because it was abused maybe or taken actually for it's it's really funny because uh speaking of illness and it's actually fits in with our our lives right now uh what really gave aspirin its foothold on the pharmaceutical market was the spanish flu because hundred years ago, absolutely, it was released onto the market, and then the Spanish flu came through. I could through. be crazy to tell what that is and why. What as what like and acetylic acid? Are does you saying to we just need body. to take some aspirin and this whole uh, thing will aspirin, go away? <laughs> maybe I don't know, but <laughs> aspirin sales went through the roof. Yeah, dur- during yeah. the Spanish yeah. flu. Can I grow this tree, white willow? Right? Yeah. Can I grow it in my backyard? Yeah. Here. Yeah. Oh, willow okay. is exceedingly hardy. It is also um, exceedingly aggressive in the right situations. Mm. Uh, willow thrives in uh, wet environments. Um, for example, the willow crop that we have out back of our nursery. Um, we have four different types of willow growing. And we go in there every four years. And cut it down to the ground. <laughs> and then it comes back. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's it's the shrub form. Yeah. But we cut it down to the ground oh, yeah, ev- yeah. every four years. Yeah. And we, last year, after one year of growth, it is already six feet tall. I'm going to ask you a final question. Then we're going to move on to Sue and her plant. Can I put a spigot in this tree and aspirins will just fall out? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Bear brand. Bear brand too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, other brand. Yeah. Different doses come from different sizes of tree uh, though too. So you have to yeah. make sure that you're just, on that. Double check. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> well, that was super informative. Um, I learned a lot there. Yeah. I thought that was interesting. Sue, what do you got for us? I picked indigo. Oh, indigo is um, neat. So... Because I just like started reading about different plants and then Amanda was like, I think we should do some off the wall ones and she gave us a list and I was like, oh my God, I'm going to check out indigo. So indigo is crazy um, because what a lot of people don't realize is that this plant was used like thousands of years ago and it actually originated from, from India, but I mean, it also grows in Asia. It grows in South Carolina. It grows all over the place. And, and it was used in, as, like, Aztecs used it as well. Um, it was a dye. It's a blue dye. And so all of the people out there, I'm sure we have all put on a pair of blue jeans at one point in our life. And it's been a while, but yeah, it's been a while, but we've all wore a pair. I think that's the COVID rule is you got to put on your jeans every 10 days to make sure that your jammies aren't lying to you. I don't want yeah. to. And let me tell you, my pajamas are liars. <laughs> I, think liars. My, I think my jeans have shrunk in the closet. Yeah. I'm pretty sure little elves came in and yeah, like swapped them. them. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, blue, blue jeans. 
They came from cotton, dyed in, in, in indigo. Like, way back. I wasn't like Amanda and picked dates. And so I feel kind of shameful for that. So oh I'm gosh. sorry. No, no, no. We're learning. We're learning, girl. And um, because we all research different things, but I just wanted to find cool things about them. And kind of random. So that's where we got the blue jeans for. I mean, they weren't healing magic or anything, but like I said, we've all wore blue jeans. It's a dye. And they're very interesting. So there is like a, a lot of people call it Himalayan in indigo, which is a pretty basic commonly used indigo for the dye. And um, it was used for blue jeans as well. And so what's kind of interesting is it's sewed in June. And I thought to myself, that's weird. Like, that's half our summer. <laughs> <laughs> where, yeah, where we are. Yeah, where we are. And then I was like, oh, yeah, this isn't where we are. Um, it grows in other places, too, but it's often sewed in June. And in India, before they sew it, they soak it for a few hours to overnight in cow urine. Okay, so this is while the plant's still in the ground. Nope, this is the seeds That's the before seed. they oh, the sow seeds. it. Oh, yeah. thank you. I so when they're going to sow it, you sow seeds. Right, because you don't sow a plant, Chris. Yeah. Come on. Yeah, you, you can. Sow seeds. How's your sewing machine work? <laughs> <laughs> and it might not be very happy with you afterwards. <laughs> so anyway, they soak it in cow urine. And the reason why is because it helps make them pest and disease resistant. On the seed. On wow. the seed. Interesting. Yeah. So, I mean... I hope this doesn't inspire you to go take your carrot seeds and soak them in some kind of dog urine and plant them thinking like, oh, they won't get past. But I just found that very interesting how even a long time ago, they figured out ways and it makes them um, more resistant. So it takes about three months for them to flower. And once they begin to flower, that's when they harvest the leaves. I always thought that indigo came from the flower. You would probably, like your instincts would tell you that. Yeah, but it actually comes from the leaves. So they take the leaves. And they soak them in water for a while. And the water turns this kind of murky green color. Yeah, kind of a greenish brown, isn't it? Yeah, it's actually, it's very murky. And it's yeah. very, and, I mean, you would never think, you'd never look at that water and be like, oh, that's, that's going to make the best blue ever. That's going to make the beautiful blue, jean, blue jeans and tie-dye shirts and all that kind of stuff. You lived in a cult, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, it was my hippie showing. <laughs> and... They soak it, and then what they have to do for it to turn blue is it has to oxidize. So for it to oxidize, that means it has to come into contact with oxygen. So it has to come into contact with the air and and get the oxygen, and then it starts turning that blue. And sometimes to help this process happen and help to get the most deep blue that they possibly can, they'll add a little bit of lime, like not like lime juice. Right. But like L-Y-M-E. L-Y-M-E, yeah. lime. They'll add that to help make it be a deeper, brighter blue. They'll add, add that lime. And so I thought that was just super interesting. And it makes, like they make it into a paste and then dry it. And so when I was reading about it, I was like, oh my gosh, that's kind of like how you do sun-dried t- or, um, tomato paste, right? You like mash yes. all your tomatoes, you yes. put it out in the sun, let it dry, and then it gets pasty and then you scrape it all up and there's your tomato paste. Yeah. So they kind of do that with it and then they let it dry even more and it can make like little crunchy crystals. Sorry, Amanda has a look on her face. Oh, you just said tomato paste and I'm like, oh God, no. Oh. <laughs> no, she said it. Yeah, uh, it's just tomato <laughs> paste is a crazy thing because you always only need a teaspoon yeah. of it, but you can get a jar. So crazy. It, it's the weirdest thing. So it's kind of a way I get it in tubes. But yeah, so I thought that was actually 
a really interesting thing. And it's something that we don't think about how it oh. changed the world, but it actually gave color and it, it's, it's an old, old color, but it has other benefits to the earth as well. So a lot of times farmers will plant this with other crops because it helps put um, nitrogen into the soil. Oh, it's a legume. It's a nitrogen fixer. It's a legume. Yeah. So it's actually a legume, um, although you don't eat it. Sorry, I just, sorry, I, I went all <laughs> nerd got, there like, for a second. so excited. <laughs> yeah. My so nerd it got, helps. got excited. So a lot of times they'll, they'll plant that like near fee other fields or they'll plant it in the field. Like if a field's doing bad, they'll take and plant it in the field for a year because it takes about three months to come to flower. And then they'll plant the crop back into that, hmm. that field after it's done um, and they've cultivated it. And yeah, I'll, I'll be frank. I'm still mind blown that it's the leaves that are the dye. I was, kind right? of, I was kind of mind blown by that too, because I thought, huh, like I thought it was the flower. Totally. But it's you the leaves that, that yeah. the blue comes from. And it, the water's this like weird murky brown. And then when it's oxidized, um, and they want it to be the right pH balance before it's oxidized so that they get the best blue out of it. So it's they add so that beautiful. Lime. I'm just looking at pictures of this color and imagine discovering that. Oh, I know, right? Well, it like, blows my mind like how the your brain and now I like I want to go in the forest and I just want to pick things and see if I can make dye from them because <laughs> I think it's really cool. Um but yeah, they dye all kinds of things in this indigo yarns and and fibers and stuff, and they make scarves and yeah. like I said, blue jeans. That's the biggest thing is it was just this cotton they made and they colored it blue and voila. So they really should be called indigo jeans. Okay, so I I was doing I I got excited about your indigo and <laughs> nitrogen fixing and so on and so forth. Did you know indigo is responsible for a Nobel Prize? Yeah. Um, like it's the a plant? Yeah, the color, indigo. Because yeah. it's like a blue that you can't make otherwise? Or like what? Uh, so in 1860, uh, a German chemist uh, developed an artificial indigo. Okay. And he actually won a Nobel Prize for that in 1905. What did he make it out of? Stuff. <laughs> <laughs> stuff that wasn't a plant? Yeah. Yeah, okay, cool. Artificial stuff. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I just mentioned that in um, one of the little article things of, about the history, uh, but I didn't really read too much on it. I was just like, oh, cool. I got a Nobel Prize. But I'm not going to count that because it was artificial. I had no idea. That was super rad. Yeah, I thought it was cool. And I just thought it was very interesting that like way back because this was before you had to think Indigo has been around before. What year did you say that guy won the Nobel Prize? 1905. 1905. So this was before, like, way, uh, way, way yeah, before I would that. It. Okay, so how long have Nobel Prizes been around? Let me inquire on the Google machine. Because I, I'm curious about that now. There's so many plants, though, that have absolutely baffled history. You know, it started in 1901. Really? Yeah. That's crazy. And, like... So they think that the indigo um, plant actually came to the States in the 1700s. That was when it came to the States. So it was actually before, even before that. That's craziness. So it was a very long time ago they discovered. So this plant's been around forever. And now I want to grow and make my 
don't die because I'm not a hippie, but so it's, only been, really... it's only been 6,000 years, guys. Yeah. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's just like a drop in the bucket. <laughs> wow, yeah. we're good. So, I mean, just imagine they were making their indigo and then they were smoking their tobacco. Yeah. Well, and like some of the plants that changed the world, like the list is incredible. It just baffles me when we started to get into this and research it. Yeah. Like there, there's the standard issue ones that, that we think of, but like who thinks of potato or rice, right? Or bananas. Remember what bananas used to look like? Yeah. Bananas. With like their big seeds in them. Yeah. yeah. Uh, pineapple. Mm. Yeah. Because they used to import pineapple into Europe and grow them in special solariums because everybody loved them. Well, I don't blame them because I like pineapple right? a lot. Right, it's my favorite. But and like, people who say pineapple doesn't go on pizza, it does. <laughs> yeah, it does. Yeah, it's Hello. all right. You're both allowed to be wrong. No. Um, <laughs> we are extremely right. Friends. That's uh, another podcast. You know what, Sue? More for us. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And you know what? I am so loving that I will let you have the pineapple off of my piece. Oh, I, and I you. see. I love that you will let me have the pineapple off your piece. Absolutely. And I'll even let you pick it off so that I don't touch your pineapple. <laughs> we buy pineapple and grill it like when it's barbecue season and we barbecue every day. Um, we'll barbecue some chicken and then some grilled pineapple. And I put barbecue sauce right on my grilled pineapple and I eat it and I love it and I'm, I'm never changing. So you don't like pineapple at all or just on pizza? Oh, I love pineapple. It doesn't oh, okay. belong on pizza. All right. Well, let's go to Hawaii. What kind of pizza Sounds good. doesn't Except for maybe like it? next year. Right. Let's go to Hawaii when it's safe to travel. Exactly. Yeah. Let's just <laughs> when there's no travel that. advisories. But like uh, potatoes. So I obviously I I look the part even um <laughs> uh I I'm of Irish descent. No. What? Right? <laughs> last name of Irish last name like that who would have thunk. Uh, but the reason for there being so many people of Irish descent all around the world is because of a plant. Is it the potato? Yeah, Irish potato famine. Well, that is another podcast because guess what? Are we really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's We're crazy. At our we only did three plants. Craziness. Yeah. But you know what? Yeah. I, I learned a ton. But there's and so I, many more. I do want to get into that potato story one day because <laughs> <laughs> that sounds really we interesting. We might have to have plants that change the world. Part again, two. again, yeah, I loved it. I thought it was really to be great. Continued. TBC. Um, well, if, I think that you ladies did some really impressive research, and I learned a ton, and I hope that you out there did as well. If we cover cool. agave on the next one, can we drink tequila at the same time? Oh, yes, please. <laughs> uh, yeah. Because right. I can drink blood orange, and it tastes really good with tequila. There you go. Oranges, there you are, go. oranges are one of the plants that changed the world, too, so oh, we're good. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's, you know, that's like maybe things you can eat as plants, but that have surprising backgrounds. Maybe. Sounds good. Yeah, we're, okay. we're getting drunk on plants. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's a whole other topic as well. Yeah. All right. So we just spit out like three new topics that will come up probably in the next few months or so. The alcohol one probably before the others. Yeah. Um, likely because we all have moderate <laughs> drinking problems, but that's all right. Um, well, I hope that, uh, yeah, you guys learned as much as I did. I did. I learned. I learned things. So good. So good. Thanks out there for listening and hanging out with us. Again, if you want to be on the podcast, Sue has um, some information up on our social media. You can check that out. Yeah, I'll post it. I'm going to repost that. Cool. And um, I'm going to have some questions Ooh. to ask people so that we could have that information for future podcasts. Yeah. Am I allowed to like go on the social media on my personal account and answer your questions like really silly? 
Mm. <laughs> well, you might not be able to be on the podcast then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fair if enough. You, if you guys want to get kicked off the podcast, just go and answer the questions in a silly manner. No, I want you to be silly. I just don't want Amanda <laughs> to be silly. <laughs> okay, just kidding. Amanda. Ripped off. No, Amanda. We love Amanda when she's silly. Um, but yeah, do that. And also, if you want to be on our podcast, let us know. Yeah. I like people. Well, fun. I, I like most. I like plant people. Yeah. Well, and, and a couple other people. Like three. Yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, so you can find us online. We are on Facebook at facebook.com slash fancy plants podcast, Instagram at fancy plants podcast. And you can email us social at fancy plants podcast.com where you can ask us questions and do all sorts of cool things. And finally, we will see you next week when we're talking plants. Bye. Bye. It's all about them plants. plants. Come on, sugar mama. Get your green on. Fancy plan.